This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919-1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. Listen and follow the Left Wing Rugby podcast with me, Will Slattery and Luke Fitzgerald. As far as I can see, I always want to get in the Irish team. And that should be every young player's dream and ambition in this country. And if you're playing in a place where you're not going to get the opportunities in the big games, that they're the ones that get you picked. They are the ones, the Champions Cup games are the ones that get you picked. You need to be playing in a team and starting in a team for those games. It's as simple as that if you want to play in the Irish team. Every week on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. That's a terrible shame if that, if that goes. Culture should overrule profit. This has been here for decades. The authorities seem to know the, the, the cause of everything but the value of, of nothing. And uh, nothing is sacred anymore in Dublin. Today on the Indo Daily, are new hotels killing the soul of Dublin? Protests took place in Dublin this weekend following public outrage over plans to develop hotels at two of the capital's iconic landmarks, Merchant's Arch and Temple Bar and a cobblestone pub in Smithfield. We need to say stop and we need to do it very quickly before we completely destroy the city altogether. Four and a half thousand new hotel rooms are expected to come on stream in Dublin over the coming years. But do we need them all? And at what cost to creativity? So this isn't black and white. Hotels, if they're done sensitively, can also provide jobs for a community and they can really lift a neighbourhood while they're at it. I'm Fiona Sheehan and you're listening to the Indo Daily. Today I'm joined by Dublin City Councillor Claire Byrne, an Irish independent travel editor for Polo Canila, to discuss whether if in the battle between construction and culture, the city is losing out. But first. Hold the hand that once held yours. Ona is a traditional Irish musician, activist, and local resident who organised the march to protect the cobblestone. She was old before she lived her youth. Owen, uh, what does the cobblestone mean to you as a, as a musician? Well, a lot, I suppose, for myself and a lot of other musicians, it's kind of one of the main cultural pubs that we have, really. Um, it's not, you know, people, I keep saying that, I think it's true, it's not just a, a pub, really. So, you know, going back decades, like my own dad used to go there and play and all, all that. But, you know, for ourselves, I'm living in, uh, in the area, we'd obviously go in for sessions, but in the, in the back room as well, there'd, there'd be uh, concerts, there'd be music classes, there'd be dance and all that kind of thing would be going on, yeah. So basically the planning application is... The, the the derelict buildings beside it, and kind of overarching it will will be will be removed to be replaced by a hotel. What did you make of that? It's more than that. It's the the back room will be gone as well. The kind of the outside area, the cobblestone. So but that would be you know a massive loss really. As as well as all of that, I suppose it's just been kind of swallowed up by this kind of nine story hotel. So I don't know if it, for people anyone who's seen the kind of photographs is quite stark. You know, you've got the yeah. you see the cobblestone just kind of nestled in, and there's this big monstrosity on top of it. Is the issue really that is part of it that it's a hotel? 
if this was affordable housing being built there, do you think people would have a different view? We, we, there's, there's a dire need for, for housing, uh, um, obviously. And the plans as they are would basically see the cobblestone turned into a hotel bar, as far as I can yeah. see. You know, it would basically become the kind of residence bar for tourists. And I presume that would be, uh, that could be quite lucrative. You could market it to people as come and stay at the famous cobblestone hotel, but it won't yeah. be that cobblestone as, as we knew it. It'd be kind of a, a shell of a for, its former self to be sold to tourists, you know. You had a protest at, at the weekend. You were one of the organizers, you were the organizer of, of a, a petition uh, around, around the cobblestone. Do you, do you think, do you think your views are being heard? Yeah. I think there was a massive response to be honest I mean the petition at the moment is I mean, last time I looked at it it's over 30,000 signatures there's the proposals around Merchants Arch but there's you know there's campaigners at the protest somebody spoke on behalf of the Moore Street campaign you know there's, there's also this Talca Park you know um, there's all of these different things that are going ahead and yeah I, I think it definitely resonates with people um, and I think really in, if we're going to well, I, in order to actually change things I think we need people to get together and get organised and, and, and campaign well, I hope certainly anyway that we can beat this proposal but also then channel that energy into a kind of a wider fight for you know I suppose the, the democratisation of the planning process where people who live here actually have a say and for obviously uh, and linking in that very much to, to housing as well I'm joined now by Paul O'Connell, travel editor of the Irish Independent. Paul, just just talk us through these two controversial plans to build hotels in Dublin. Absolutely. Hotels come in different shapes and sizes, as we all know. And what you'd be talking about with regards to the cobblestone site is pretty much a medium sized hotel. You're looking at the north side of Smithfield, where a nine storey building would go in with 114 uh, bedrooms. It will have its own restaurant and it will take up pretty much that portion of the square, which, as you know, at the moment is looking pretty derelict, apart from the beautiful cobblestone. Meanwhile, in Merchant's Arch and um, I just walked through it while I was uh, coming up to you in the studio today. You're talking about a much smaller development. It's three stories in height. Uh, There would be fewer rooms and it would take up a kind of a footprint that just is the end of the lane as you enter into Temple Bar and then the the building or two as you turn left. So it's a much smaller kind of a boutique. I always hesitate to use that word, but uh, a boutique development there. So they're quite different propositions. And, and in, in that case, the, the, the debate has been about Merchant's Arch. The, the archway will remain. People will note that you come across the Hippany Bridge from the north side. You you go under this this beautiful arch into and Temple Bar open, opens up. So the archway is staying, it's it's what behind that in Temple Bar Square is is the is that issue. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And that is a real piece of Dublin Street Theatre. You can remember Phil Linnett walking through it in his video. Uh, you can remember you two pictures taken there as you cross over the Hapenny Bridge, walk under that arch. You just couldn't be in any other city. And so, yes, you're absolutely right. The arch itself that transitions you from the quays through to the laneway is staying. And that's part of the Merchant's Arch pub now, which is one of the old guild halls of Dublin originally. But as you move further towards Temple Bar, you'll see there are shops on the left and right. And it's the left-hand side as you approach Temple Bar. There's several shops there. There's a record store, vintage clothing store and so on. It's that portion that we're talking about and those businesses that would be changed thousand hotel rooms are expected to come on stream in the Dublin market over the coming three years according to the property group Savills. It says Dublin had an undersupply of hotel rooms pre-pandemic and it expects the industry to get back to 2019 levels of activity and demand in the coming two to three years. 
Why do we need more hotels in Dublin? That's a good question. And I would have given you such a radically different answer 18 months ago, Fiona. We were in, if you can picture, rewind back to then, we just say we've never heard of COVID at that stage. Um, we were in a period of, of development in Dublin. There had been historically few hotels built in the first uh, five or 10 years of the 21st century. We were playing catch up because as the city was recovering from the financial crisis, the visitor numbers were growing. There was a lot of conference business out to, for us to capture. There were events happening in the city. There were more and more air routes coming into Dublin. And it was felt that we needed to provide for these visitors. Dublin is the gateway to the country. We were looking to grow our tourism numbers and we needed bed nights and beds and pillows for all these people to lay their heads on. The The occupancy rates in Dublin were high. The rates were high. You remember the arguments we used to have any time there was a Six Nations game or there was a, a big concert in town and so on. So the solution to this from the tourism and from the development side was, was seen to be um, more hotels. Now, it's not to say raise everything in the city and put in, uh, you know, a hundred different hotels, but there was a pipeline of, of four and a half thousand hotel rooms still to come. And this is where it's coming from. Now, let's fast forward to where we are now. And suddenly after 18 months of a pandemic with tumbleweed blowing through the city, the question is, are those volumes of tourists going to return? Is this the kind of development we need? Or is this the time and the place to build back more sustainably and to create a city that maybe isn't completely geared towards tourists, but takes its its communities and its localities more into account. Because we've now seen what Dublin, we've now seen what places like Barcelona, Venice, Dubrovnik look like when the tide pulls back and there's no tourists and how tough it is for them to survive. So is this now the time to create a more inclusive city? And I think that's a big part of the debate. So Paul, the argument that would be be put forward on the on the on the business side is hotels aren't all bad. They do bring substantial employment. They do bring tourists. Tourists don't the modern day tourist wants to stay in a hotel. They don't want to be hiring uh, an Airbnb and staying in, in somebody's spare room as much. Uh, the high the, the the high net worth tourist wants to come stay in a hotel, go around the tourist attraction in a, in a city for for a weekend or a couple of days and head home again. Yeah, there's not a black and white issue. There's a, there's Hotels are an important part of the tourism picture. They provide jobs locally. They provide business for suppliers, for people who are, who are, are you know, supplying the restaurants, for people who are sh- changing the rooms, whatever it may be. Hotels can be ugly and they can be generic and they can be anywhere in the world or they can be done really sensitively and they can become selling points in themselves. You know, you pick up a, a magazine like Condé Nast Traveller in the last week or so and it, it listed the Marker Hotel in the Docklands as one as. Ireland's, you know, number one hotel. That's an example of an architect designed hotel in a space where it's it's appropriate and culturally appropriate beside the, the Daniel Liebeskin's Borgash Energy Theatre. If our listeners are watching Kin, they'll recognise the Mason Hotel in Dublin's Docklands with the rooftop bar. That big, sleek uh, glass and steel structure comes out of an old uh, 18th century warehouse and townhouse that has been sensitively preserved and wrapped into the structure. So they're just two examples. um, And hotels can be done in radically different ways. So it's important not to just tar them all with one brush. No more than saying office block, apartment block, mixed use re- development you know you've got to, these things need to be thought of in in the grey areas how sustainable are they how culturally appropriate are they do they fit their neighbourhoods and do they have the correct uses 
I'm joined now by Green Party Dublin City Councillor Claire Byrne. Claire Byrne, what's the problem here? Um, these are, in some cases, derelict buildings, space that is underutilised in a capital city that, that needs development. So what, what do you see being the issue here? Um, I think there's a number of things going on. We have a lot of hotel beds in the city. Uh, we're in the middle of a housing crisis and we're also in a post-COVID city at the moment as well. So um, it's very hard to understand these decisions being made to grant planning permission for additional hotel rooms in the current context that we find ourselves in at the moment. Um, and I was also just having a look at Fulch Ireland and their... Um, their, their kind of bed projections in the city. And the last one was published in 2020 where they were saying we still have a, de- a deficit of a thousand hotel beds. Uh, but it's always hotels. Like it's not, when you look at the other figures, like we only have about 7,000 hostel rooms in the entire city. Uh, we've only about 10,000 guest houses and less than 10,000 um, uh, B&Bs as well. So, you know, we're really only offering this one type of accommodation for our, our overseas visitors. But what's also happening now in the context of Merchant's Arch and the cobblestone is that at the same time, we're also um, eroding what our visitors come to Dublin to see. So particularly with Temple Bar, when you look at how that is going to completely dramatically change the look and feel of Temple Bar, along with the proposed plans for Temple Bar Square, um, we're completely altering the face of a very popular tourist spot. People come to see the cobblestones and they come to see the art and they come for, you know, the kind of quirky alternative retail offers that Temple Bar has traditionally had. Um, And what that particular development is doing is completely eroding that. It's taking away four individual Irish retailers, one of which is the Dublin Vintage Factory, one of my favourite shops, um, which has had to move, I think, about four times for similar reasons around the city at this stage. So at what point do we let Fulch Ireland kind of dictate our city planning policies and what, at what point do we just say stop, you know? Like it's not that long ago that we had a situation where our citizens were living in hotels and our visitors were living in homes. That's changed a little bit now uh, because of COVID. Um, but, you know, do we really need another hotel here, you know? And, and at what cost? You know, we're seeing hotels being... Uh, granted planning permission by Dunn City Council and by Amborp Nola all across the city, very often at the expense expense of our heritage or of our culture as well. We've seen it with the Tivoli, we saw it with Andrews Lane Theatre. So how we can justify granting further planning permission for hotel beds in a post-COVID city when we still have a housing and a cultural crisis on our hands, it just, it, it's very hard to understand the rationale. But yet, I mean, you mentioned it, it is Dublin City Council that is, you know, the, the first port of call in terms of, of planning of, of the city of Dublin. So do, does the blame not, not rest in City Hall here? Well, it does. It does. And actually, you see in Merchant's Arch, it was actually refused planning permission the first time round. Um, and when you look at, and actually this time round as well, the inspector, uh, the onboard Panola inspector, um, recommended not not granting planning permission for all the reasons that I've just listed and all the reasons that people have been saying that, you know, it injures the visual immunity of the area with the loss of 
for Irish retail units, which will disrupt the mix of offerings. And that it kind of goes contrary to planning and sustainable development plan. Yet on board Panola then come back citing specific objectives relating to tourism within the city. And on those grounds thought it was justified to grant planning permission. So what's happening is we have planning authorities picking and choosing aspects of our development plan that'll suit their own objectives in a way. So what has happened in this instance and in many instances is that they're completely ignoring all the other objectives in the city development plan in relation to housing and the need for housing across the city in the need, you know, in terms of climate resilience and compact development uh, over concentration of particular um, one type of use, you know, and retail is another thing. Like we're at a 30% vacancy at the moment in the city in terms of retail as well so you know also kind of so we're taking away four retail units to put in another restaurant and so it's almost like the Dublin City Development Plan isn't you know and we're obviously in the process of the next one at the moment and we're fighting really hard to get a handle on the on the hotel and the student accommodation developments you know putting in motions trying to get hotels being removed as a permissible use in the zoning for the city centre at the moment as a way to just put a halt to it we called a special meeting in December 2019 on the very issue as well but nothing has changed and so it's very disheartening I have to say as an elected representative I'm sure for the citizens of the city to put all this effort into a city development plan put all the effort into making their voices heard through the planning process for them to be ignored time and time again Merchants Arch so and and the cobblestone have really become a focal point and a symbol of the problem. Are you are you hopeful that something will change there in the long run, and or is that just going to be too late? I do feel we're too late in lots of ways. Like I think this merchant art decision decision is absolutely crushing, and it's crushing for the city. And it, in a way, it is the final blow, and it's great to see people mobilised. But people have been heralding this for a long time. Give us the night. We've been talking about this for years. For example, um, you know, Andrea Horan has no more hotels campaign. As I said, as elected representative, I've been flagging this for for many many years. But we do need planning reform. Like, and I was I really welcome that announcement by the government because we are in a situation where we've onboarded Panola going against their own inspectors. So we need massive planning reform. As far as I'm concerned, onboarded Panola, if they're going against the decisions of their own inspectors, there is something very, very wrong. We, we really need to we need to say stop, and we need to do it very quickly before we completely destroy this city altogether. Back to Paula Canela, the negative reaction towards these developments, this, this argument of culture versus construction, it's not new to Dublin really, is it? I mean, even in, in more recent times, we've had these arguments and go back in history, you've had the same. Oh, you have. And I very much, I've, I view cities as kind of, you know, living things and you always, have, there's always change. They're never static. They're never finished. They're always developing. Uh, I've been, I've been walking around Dublin, visiting it and living in it for decades at this stage. I've written a book about it and it's a constant story of what's changed, what's being replaced and the arguments as that happened. We are marching for two purposes today and please let us remember both purposes. We are marching to stop the destruction of Wood Key. Think about, you know, buildings we've lost over time. Seven Eccles Street, which was the home address of Leopold Bloom in Ulysses. It's gone. It's it's the matter at this stage. Think about uh, Wood Key in the 1980s, if I'm remembering correctly. The Irish Transport and General Workers Union Band led the parade, which had representatives from many sectors of Irish society. 
The controversy has divided the city councillors, of whom only nine took part in the march. At the Commissioners of Public Works office, a black wreath was laid by Dr Michael Herity of the Royal Society of Antiquaries and a letter of protest delivered to Mr Pierce Wise, Minister of State at the Department of Finance. Yeah, in the late seventies, early eighties, yeah. yeah. Which and is the, now the, the site of, of, of Dublin City of Dublin City Council, Dublin Corporation headquarters being built there at the time on a Viking settlement and a massive upsurge of, of opposition towards that at the time. Absolutely. You had uh, the Theatre Royale, some listeners may remember that, uh, Boland's Mills. Theatre Royale famously retained by Dublin's ugliest building. Theatre Royale, fabulous building going back to the 1820s, uh, a time where, where people would come from all over the country to go to, to, to see uh, theatrical events in Dublin. Knocked, replaced by Hawkins House, the Department of Health building, horrible, ugly, rotten building now being knocked itself and and, and that site site being redeveloped. So, yeah, there is a, a cyclical there nature is, of these There things. is, and, and we've even recently, we, we've had these debates about Bewley's when it looked like it may not be able to reopen. Uh, there's an ongoing debate about Moore Street, what's going to happen there. You'll remember the whole uh, Fitzwilliam Street where 16 Georgian houses were raised for that famous ESB development and that is going to be redeveloped yet again. So this happens all the time and, and you know a lot of the time yes these are bad designs and they're not culturally appropriate and they don't fit and they make changes that are not right for the city but some you know you need to leave room for new developments and new architecture as well I, there are plenty of examples we can cite about you know new architectural development that works be it hotels or be it say the development of the National Gallery in Dublin um, not so long ago so it's I come back to the point of I'm not uh, the cobblestone is a beautifully live living space you could not sit in a space like that anywhere else in the world. And yes, absolutely, I believe it should be preserved. But it's not that we have to keep everything and you cannot have new development. You need the balance and you need the dialogue. What do tourists think? What kind of a city do they want to visit? I think the further we go from this island, the more kind of reductionist it gets and the more people start to think about Ireland as the land of Guinness and, uh, you know, bacon and cabbage and the Book of Kells and so on. But once people get here, what you'd hope is that they experience a city, and we're talking about Dublin today, that is a lot more exciting, a lot more complex and a lot more immersive than that. We've got a fantastic contemporary mu- music scene that we hope to see burst back into onto the stages in the city soon. Great art, great design. Our food has come, is, is world class at the moment, in my opinion. And you want them getting back on that Ryanair flight and telling their friends, wow, Dublin, yes, it has all this heritage, has all this historical stuff, but it has this really cool living uh, local culture at the moment again, and I want to go back. People are attracted here, of course, by the top line marketing. They may also come because there's a cool hotel. They may come simply because they have Marriott points and they can do a layover and they can spend an extra night. But it's once they get there they don't want to see a city that looks like a kind of a, a generic business district. They want to engage with a city that has lots of layers that really seduces them and puts the hooks in them. And that's becoming more and more important in tourism, that kind of lo- like a local approach. And yet you find yourself conflicted when defending Temple Bar because all you picture are overpriced pints uh, and uh, rowdy stag parties uh, going, going through it on, on, a, on a Friday and Saturday night. But then part of it is that tourists come to, to cities, they want to see that there there is life there. They expect to see tourists from other countries also so being there enjoying it. 
Yeah, absolutely. There isn't one kind of tourist. They're, you know, they're not on a single budget. They're not one person or a couple or a family. They're, they're, they come from all kinds of different places and with all sorts of different things they want to do. And, and you know, Temple Bar is, is a cautionary tale in many respects, but there's also a lot of good sides to it. And, and the other point I'd make is that it's not just Dublin here we're talking about. I mean, cities we've, we, we, you think about around Europe, Barcelona, um, Venice being a case in point, which is banning cruise traffic and it's going to charge day trippers 10 euro to enter the city because we're starting to feel like a theme park. These are debates that are being had all over the world. And as we start to re-engage with tourism after the pandemic, the danger is that we panic and we go back to this high volume model that feeds into the housing crises and the generic development that we've been discussing. Whereas I do think the opportunity here, in a sense, is to build back better, more sustainably, listen to what communities want and create that kind of a rich tapestry of a city and a Dublin that it just cannot be experienced anywhere else. And I do think that will pay off in the long run. More local jobs, people more invested in it, tourists telling a great story when they go home. Of course, I sound a little bit idealistic there and there's always going to be the cut and thrust of development as we see it. But that's the the moment in time, I think, that we find ourselves in. That was Irish independent travel editor Polo Keneal and you can follow his travel writing on independent.ie. I'm Fiona Sheen and today's episode was produced by Mary Carroll, researched by Tabitha Monaghan, with sound designed by John Smith. Archive clips were courtesy of Independent.ie and RTE. And you can listen to the Indo Daily wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>